Good morning, everybody. Dan, Pam, love you guys a bunch. I got the privilege to work with Pam for a while. I wouldn't say it was probably a privilege to work with me, but <laughs> it was a privilege to work with Pam, and she's a blessing and had those guys around for a long time. So we're going to miss you guys. And I will be knocking on your door because I know where you live. So, and it's beautiful over there. So, anyway, if I've not met you, my name is Dan Canusta. I'm the high school, high school pastor here at the church. Um, so, this morning, Pastor Dan obviously asked if I'd fill the pulpit, and I well, um, said yes. So, here I am. Glad to see you this morning. Glad you've joined us for church. Um, got a couple of thoughts this morning, but what I want to do is I want to share something that if you're a teacher in a room, please don't. Hear me right, don't be offended. I hope it doesn't come across offensive because I don't mean it to be. But when I used to go to parent-teacher conferences with my kids years ago because they're all in their late 20s and early 30s now, <clears throat> when I went to school, we didn't have this, but when I went to parent-teacher conference, my kids had the opportunity to do these things called redos. Does anybody know what a redo is on an assignment? Like when you go and you, you don't get the grade that you want on your assignment, you have the opportunity to do it again. If I'd have had that opportunity in high school, I'd have been a straight A student instead of a straight D student, because that's where I landed at, because I didn't get redos when I was in high school. And on top of redos, I was told by the teacher one day at a parent-teacher conference, my son had left one of the answers blank on, the, on his math, and she checked it wrong. And I said, well, it wasn't really, he wasn't done with his test yet. He wanted to check with you to see, you know, if you could help him with the answer. And she goes, oh, no, we don't, if, if they actually just put something down, we count it as correct. I know, right? That's what I thought. <laughs> I'm like, what? And they said, yeah, it, 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 we, they, they give the effort for us to actually fill it out. Even if the answer's wrong, we count it correct. And I'm like, that's insane. So this morning, what I want to do, I, I say that to say this. This morning, what I want to do is I want to look at Scripture with this idea of a redo. And, and a redo is basically having an opportunity to maybe redo something, that, an event in your life or a test or whatever that might have been, that you want to get a different grade on or have a different outcome. But last week I had the opportunity to share, and I shared out of 1 Peter chapter 4, and I talked about how if we really understand what sin did to our Savior and how he suffered because of it, I made a comment that how dare we go on sinning? How dare we go on sinning? Well, we understand what sin did to Jesus and what Jesus suffered through for our, for our sake. How dare we go on sinning? And as I thought about that statement after I got to speak last week, I thought, okay, Dan, what if someone did hear the message last week and they have fallen and they have gone astray and they've made decisions in their life where it's put them in on the wrong path with Jesus, if I can put it that way. Some of the theologians in the world would refer to this as backsliding. Richard Taylor says this about backsliding. And, and listen, I, I shared this in the first service. I kind of feel like I'm preaching to the choir because all of you are probably walking straight with God. You're doing good. Things are going well in your life. You're not in any sort of... Um, wrong spot with Jesus, everything's going well. But here's what I would tell you. If you are, that's great, but you know somebody in your life who's probably backslidden a little bit. But I would challenge us this morning to allow God an opportunity to search our heart because Richard Taylor gives us a definition of backsliding. It says this, backsliding refers to any degree of loss of commitment, fervor, spiritual priorities, or testimony with apostasy as a final consequence if uncorrected. So think about your life for a second, okay? because I really want this to land on us, because I think sometimes when we share stories out of the Bible, we miss the intent because we think, ah, we're okay with God right now. We don't have to worry about it. But listen to that definition again. Have you lost commitment, fervor, spiritual priorities, or have you wrecked your testimony, if I can put it that way? 
So as you sit in your seat this morning with everything going on with COVID and isolations and social distancing, has that become a distraction for you to where your heart's kind of quieted for the things of God? Because to backslide doesn't mean that I've fallen deep, deep into sin. Backsliding is a process, and I want us to make sure that we're watching close for that. So what I want to do this morning to look at this idea of backsliding, I want to use Peter as our example. And everybody knows the stories of Peter. Everybody knows who Peter is and what he's done and what he didn't do. But I want to use A.W. Tozer's, he, he gives kind of a definition or outline of who Peter was. He says he appeared to be a combination of courage and cowardice, reverence and disrespect, selfless devotion, and dangerous self-love. Only Peter could solemnly swear that he would never desert Christ and then turn around and deny him in the first time he got in a tight place. So when you look at the definition of Peter and you look at the word backsliding, you watch how some of this just kind of plays a pattern out. I want to tell you a little bit about Peter to give you a little bit of his resume and then I'll get into the scripture. Peter was a Galilean from the north region of Israel. He was a fisherman by trade. He, became, he was one of the first disciples of Jesus. Jesus was the first man to actually confess, to speak that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. We're talking about Peter here. He's a rock star within the Christian community. He was even on the inner circle with Jesus. Peter, James, and John were kind of his inner circle. They were on the Mount of Transfiguration with him. That's where Peter was hanging out at. But Peter also spoke without thinking. Hi, guys. Should I say that again to the men? Peter often spoke without thinking because that's what we normally do as guys. We get ourselves in trouble. He was brass, impulsive, prideful, and at times very overconfident. The, Peter, the story of Peter's denial of Jesus, I want this to be a warning for us. If you're walking good with God and everything's fine, I want it to be a warning for you to think about. Even Peter fell into temptation and denied Christ. So when you look at this, I want this to kind of be a warning for us this morning because I think if you, live by, if you live by pride and by the flesh, you're going to get yourself in trouble somewhere along the way with God. That's what I truly believe, and according to Scripture, I think it proves out. The story of this account of Peter's denial is found in all four Gospels. It's found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Mark strikes me interesting, because tradition shows that Mark's Gospel, most of the information Peter gave to Mark, and Mark wrote it down in Scripture, so it's really Peter's testimony, a lot of what you see in, the, in the, the gospel of Mark. So you think about that for a second. Yeah, Mark, I was one of the first disciples, left Manates, followed Jesus, went around, I walked on the water, I was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter's dictating this to Mark, he's like, yeah. And then he gets to the part, oh yeah, by the way, here's the part I don't really want to tell you, but it's part of my testimony. I denied the Lord three times. So when you look at the book of Mark, when you read that, understand that's Peter dictating his life to Mark in the gospel of Mark. But what I want to look at this morning is I want to use the, the book of Luke as the scripture that we're going to look at this morning. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22, that's where we're going to look at this scripture this morning. So Luke chapter 22, and I'm going to read verses 55 through 62. And it says in verse 55 of Luke chapter 22, And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him, as he sat there in the light, looking at him closely, said, This man also was with him, that being Jesus. But Peter denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. Look up at me. I do not know him. Peter walked with Jesus for three years. 
ate with him, slept with him, laughed with him, cried with him, watched him heal people. And one servant girl comes along and challenges Peter. And this is what he has to say. He says, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else said, saw him and said, you are also one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the Lord saying, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. When you look at the life of Peter, you see five things that I want to look at that we can avoid this morning. Because I think to learn from this story is what we need to do. But within this story, you see so much of the Lord's grace and his mercy woven throughout this story and redemption. It's, that's the redo part of this. But I want to look at five things that will help us to avoid, that will help putting ourselves in a position to fail or get us into a situation of backsliding. There's five things to avoid. The first one is this. Avoid self-confidence, pride, and false security. You see, Peter was self-confident. His self-confidence and his pride blinded him to his weakness and vulnerability. He couldn't see it. His carnality was so deep in him, and it was so revealing, that it blinded everything to him because he was Peter. There's no way. I'm Jesus' right-hand man. But Peter had a, this, this idea of self-confidence and his courage in that confidence fell and wilted at the moment he was tested. It's like A.W. Tozer said, when he first hit the tight spot, he just gave up and caved. When you look at this, just a few hours before he denied Jesus, he had courageously stated that he would follow Jesus to prison or even death. In Luke 22, 30 through 34, it says this, Simon, Simon, Jesus says, Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. And I, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Prayed for him. Jesus Christ prayed for Peter that his faith may not fail. But this next part I want us to catch. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus prays for Peter that his faith won't fail. But Jesus also tells Peter, when you turn again, strengthen your brothers. Wouldn't you hear that? But see, Peter's blind to it because he's Peter. He's prideful. Peter says this, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, when the, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. But Peter's blind. His carnality, his weakness, his vulnerability is all taken from him because of pride and self-confidence. And I like in this part where Jesus warned Peter, Peter, you're going to fall. You're going to fail. But when you do, strengthen the brothers. Peter doesn't even hear it. See, I think as believers in this room today, I think the whole, well, I know the Holy Spirit of God is faithful to us to whisper to us and go, don't do it. If you go that way, you're going to get yourself in trouble. I like that about God because God warns me. He loves me enough to warn me before I get myself caught up in a situation. And he warns me because of this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, he says, he says it this way. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you're in this room today and you're thinking, man, nah, I'm okay. I'll listen to Dan up there rattle for 30 minutes or whatever it is. I'll get through this and go home and drink my coffee and watch a football game. 
Paul puts it this way. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful. Be careful that you don't fall. We got to always, always, always be on our guard against this idea of self-confidence and pride because it will blind you. It says in Psalm 71, 5, it says, for I have For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. I put it this way. I would rather live humble than be humbled by God. I would rather live my life humble before him than be humbled by him. Because when you look at scripture, to be humbled by God is not a good place to be. The second thing we need to do is we need to avoid prayerlessness. In the Garden of Gethsemane, everybody knows the story. If you've read the Bible for more than five minutes, everybody's heard this story come Easter time. Jesus is praying in the garden, but he takes Peter, James, and John with him. So Peter's there, and Jesus says, watch and pray with me, for the hour is coming. But what's it say? It says, Peter was told to watch and pray by Jesus so that you will not fall into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When you look at this, I contrast this the other way. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus is telling the disciples, telling Peter, if you don't watch and pray, you're going to fall into temptation. That's how I read the scripture. I turn that around on its head because if he says, watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation, it tells me if I don't watch and pray, I'm going to fall into temptation. I'm going to fall. I'm going to be weak. I'm going to be frail spiritually and my flesh will begin to take over in my life. So we've got to make sure we're watching these things because Peter had that false sense of security. He felt like there was no weakness. There was no need to watch and pray. Do you feel a need to watch and pray in your life? I hope so. Because if you don't, you're going to fall and you're going to fail. Jesus makes it very clear because when he came back, it says, when he came back again, that's Jesus in the garden. He, he found them sleeping again because their eyes were heavy. I get it. I'm human. Prayer, you have to be intentional. You've got to make sure that you are praying. You can't take a break. You have to make your, okay, maybe I'm a bad pastor, but there's times I have to make myself sit down and pray. I hope that's not bad. And there's other times when it comes very naturally to me. But I'm very intentional in my prayer life and in my quiet time because I'm watching the landscape so that I don't fall. And remember last week when I got to speak out of 1 Peter 4.10, or chapter 4, I talked about, this is Peter's advice to us. He's speaking from experience here because last week he told us, be alert and of sober mind so that you can pray. See, I think Peter looks over his shoulder in his life and he remembers what it looked like when he didn't do what Jesus told him to do in the garden, watch and pray. So Peter gives us advice. Are you going to heed his advice this morning? Be alert and be of sober mind so that you can pray. Watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. The third thing is this, avoid following God at a distance. The Bible tells us that Peter followed Jesus at a distance. At least he followed him. Peter did a little bit of what he said he was going to do. Lord, I'll be willing to go to prison and even death with you. So Peter at least followed him even if it was at a distance. Think about this, you guys. Put yourself in Peter's spot. The Lord that you've been walking with for three years was just arrested in a garden. Soldiers had weapons, they had torches, they had lanterns, and they came looking for your Lord. They came looking for Jesus. Peter's in the middle of this. Peter gets the sword out of wax ear off of Malchus, one of, the, one of those soldiers there. Peter, or Jesus picks it up, heals him, puts it back on his head. So all this is going on in the dark of the night, in the garden, and yet Peter, 
Everybody else abandoned the Lord. They ran. They left. At least Peter followed him. It was at a distance. Would you follow him? Put yourself in Peter's shoes for a second. I'm not sure that I even went. I'd have probably been with the rest of them off in a corner hiding somewhere. So to Peter's credit, at least he did follow him. Because Peter's the guy, he gets out of the boat, doesn't he? Think about it. Twelve guys in a boat. Guy walking across the water is Jesus. Peter looks out and says, oh, look, it's the Lord. If it's you, Lord, call me and I'll come. Jesus says, is I come. <laughs> Peter, who's a fisherman, who knows better than to get out and try to walk on the water, gets out and actually walks on the water. He just didn't attempt it. He actually did it. The other 11 disciples had to be like, what in the world is going on? But what Peter did, again, Peter never sees this pattern. What, he, what Peter did is he took his eyes off the Lord. Started looking at the wind and the waves and he fell into fear. And what did he do? Sank. And when he was drowning, what did he do? He reached out and he said, Lord, save me. And he did. And Jesus picked him up, put him back in the boat. So when you look at Peter and all the different things that he did, at least he got out of the boat. At least he followed Jesus at a distance. But here's the deal. He wasn't supposed to even be following Jesus that night at all. Because if you look at the scripture in the book of Matthew, when it gives this account, it says that Jesus says the sheep will be scattered. That is a fulfillment of prophecy from Zechariah 13.7. Because Jesus says he, the sheep will be scattered and he told his disciples, I want you to come meet me again in Galilee. So the, Peter wasn't even supposed to be there. Yes, he followed him at a distance, but Peter wasn't supposed to be there. So when you look at the scripture, the principle here, I think, is this. Peter was somewhere he wasn't supposed to be, and because he was, he denied Jesus. Think about it. If he'd have been scattered, because Jesus also says this when he was getting arrested that night, he tells the soldiers, who are you here for? They said, we're looking for Jesus in Nazareth. And he says, it is I. And he says, since you found me, let these others go. He's talking about his disciples. Peter's right there. You would think Peter would hear Jesus, wouldn't you? Do you hear the Holy Spirit talk to you? When God, the Holy Spirit, speaks to our hearts, do we hear him? See, we're critical with Peter. We're thinking, how could he miss it? He's Peter. Peter's blinded by pride and carnality, and he missed the whole stinking thing. But it reminds me of King David in the, in the account with Bathsheba. Because in, in the Bible, it tells us that in the springtime, when the kings went out to war, David stayed home. And because David stayed home, he looked across the top of the roof, found Bathsheba in a bathtub, and what did he end up doing? Because he was somewhere he wasn't supposed to be. Where's your mind at? Is your mind somewhere it's not supposed to be? Where are you at physically? Because see, I think we're like the prodigal. I think our heart and our minds leave long before we ever follow in our body. But I do believe that God is faithful to whisper in your ear and go, don't do this. This isn't going to turn out well. He's faithful to talk to us about where we're headed. Don't put yourself in a position to fail. Because if you do, you will fail. Don't put yourself in a position to fail. Don't be somewhere you're not supposed to be. See, here's what, here's what Peter was doing. He heard Jesus. He heard his words, but he wasn't doing them. James puts it this way. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. 
When you come in here on a Sunday morning or you come to youth group on a Wednesday night or you come in here and Pastor Dan's teaching on a Wednesday night and you hear God's word, when you sit down and read it and you see the word, are you doing what it says? That's building your life on a foundation. And I think if you do that, you never have to be worried about being caught up in this pattern like Peter was, as, as prideful as he was and as blind as he was and he missed all his weaknesses and his vulnerabilities. You know we have weaknesses and vulnerabilities, right? You guys know that, right? I love you guys and you're wonderful people in this room and I care for you deeply, but you're weak and you're vulnerable because of your flesh. You can't take a chance. You cannot take a break. We can never let our guard down. We might admire what Peter did, but he walked right into temptation and sin, headlong into it, and he wasn't prepared for it. The pattern, this pattern that Peter was living left him totally unprepared for Satan's attacks that were about to come. Now think about this. Up to this point, he's just now getting to the courtyard. He's left the garden and he's just now getting to the courtyard. He's walking in there and he's totally unprepared for the attacks of the enemy that are about to come. The next point is this. Avoid warming up at the enemy's fire. Temptation came to Peter when he least expected it. Ever had that happen? Just living your life? And all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh no. There's a temptation right there in front of you. And if you've been living the way Peter's been living, you're going to follow that temptation more than likely because pride blinds our vulnerability and our weaknesses all the time. Peter thought he could hide out there. Peter thought he was going to be safe by the fire, safe in the courtyard. Nobody was going to recognize him. Nobody knew he was around. But you can't hide out. You guys, as Christians, we can never take a break. Being a Christian is not easy if you're trying to do it on your own, but by God's grace, it's very doable. But we can never take a break, you guys. Men, look at me. You can never take a break. Men, if you let your guard down, I promise you're going to fall. You don't have to, though. If you don't take a break and you hang on to Jesus, we will not fall. And we will be Christian men that will guard our homes and guard our families and will not let the enemy in. But it's going to take effort on your part to do it because you can never take a break. I remember my kid asked me when he was about 16 years old, don't you ever take a break? Nope. My daughter put it this way, take a break to what? What are you going to take a break from? Are you going to go back to the old you? I would never want to do that. But Peter was warming himself up at the enemy's fire and you gradually see him moving into a place of temptation. Psalm 1 says this, blessed is the one who does not, does not walk in the way of the wicked or does not walk in the steps of the wicked or stands in the way of the sinner the sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Watch Peter's pattern here. Peter walked into the courtyard in the cool of the night, and Peter stood by the enemy's fire, and then he sat down at the fire with the servants and the officers, and yet he was surprised that he did what he did. You see, if we put ourselves in a position to fail, don't ever think to myself, I, I'm so surprised I did that. I never thought I would do that. I can't believe I did that. Yes, you can. If you look back over your shoulder, because you had to ignore God. You had to ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit, the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your heart because God would never lead you in that direction. And he's faithful to speak to us as he's done Peter trying to get him to look up and not do this. When we grow or when our spiritual passions in our heart begin to grow cold, we will warm up to something. And it'll be the world. And you'll be warming yourself at the enemy's fire. We need to avoid doing that. And the fifth thing is this, we need to avoid denial and disassociation. It's like we talked about before, temptation comes in all sorts of different forms, you guys. Each one of us are going to get temptation come at us, and I don't care how young or old you are, 
You're going to have temptations come your way. And when they do, you have to be prepared. Peter was ready to fight with a sword. Right? In the garden. Peter had a sword, all right. But he was not prepared to answer the question of a servant girl. Because Peter was somewhere he wasn't supposed to be. And because he did, he fell. The first denial looks like this. It was one of the high priest servant's girls. How'd you like to have this as your testimony for Peter? It was one of the high priest servant girls who challenged Peter. She accused him of being one of Jesus' disciples. Peter lied and said, Woman, I am not one of them. I'm not one of his disciples. I'm not a Christian. I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. And when he said that, according to Mark's gospel, this is the first time the rooster crowed. And again, God's faithfulness, the rooster crowed to warn Peter, Peter, get out of there. You're in the wrong spot, Peter. Don't do it, Peter. Leave now. Remember, get out. And Peter pushed right on to it because he's Peter. And the second denial came this. Peter couldn't escape notice. The second servant girl told the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. He's one of them. Think about it. Peter's in the courtyard. It's dark. They got a fire going. It's cool at night. Everybody's gathered around. Jesus is upstairs going through the trials that he's going through. Downstairs, there's all kinds of commotion and ruckus. Servant girls, officers, other people. Peter's somewhere he's not supposed to be. Peter's, they even recognize Peter. One of the relatives said he's the guy that cut the ear off of him. So he knows what's going on around him, but he's not there. And for the second time, Peter lied and said, I do not know the man. You think you can't fall into this? I think I can't fall into this? Peter did. For the second time, he says, I don't know him. The third time, it says this. At this point, Peter's resistance completely broke down. And the bystanders were convinced that he cut off the guy's ear and that his accent gave him away. See, here's what I know about Christians. The way Peter spoke gave him away that he was a follower of Christ. See, I think Christians' voices and our, our, the way we use our voice and the things that we say, should, we should stand out from the world, should we not? As Christians, we should stand out by the way we talk, right? People should be able to look at us and go, you don't belong here because your accent gives you away. We sang earlier, it's your breath in our lungs. What are you using the breath in the lungs that he's given you? What are you using it for? Are you using it for his glory? Or are you going off to work or going off to school and you're just cussing a blue streak and doing things that don't honor him? See, I think there's, a multiple, there's multiple ways that we can deny Christ in our life. And I don't think it's big stuff a lot of times. It's a little subtle things that get us into trouble. But at this point, it says here that Peter began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Can you see the intensity here? Peter's surrounded by enemies and he's in the dark of this courtyard. Peter's like, I swear I don't know the man. He's not cussing a blue streak here. He's basically saying in the court of law, I swear by God that I don't know him. See the progression? See how far he's got him so stuck in a hole now? The rooster crowed the first time. He should have been able to get out of there, shouldn't he? But when he got to this point, he was so far in it, it was too late. There was no way he was going to get back. And it says, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And after the rooster crowed, then the look. The look. Luke puts it this, this way. It says, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Has the Lord looked at you lately? And when he looks at you, do you look away? Years ago, I was in a, I got to, my acting skills are not great, but I got to act in a play. And it was an Easter pageant. And I remember doing this. The first year I was a Christian, I just watched it. 
And the second year as a Christian, I actually got to be a part of the, of the, of the pageant or the play, and I got to play the role of Peter. And I can remember this event. All the stuff going on, it was very dramatic and theatrical the way we did it, and all the stuff going on, and I'm hiding in the corner, as Peter did. I'm hiding here, and all of a sudden, the guy playing Jesus comes out on the stage, and he's been beaten, and it's not looking good, and, G- and he looks at me. When I was a kid, my dad used to look at me. And it wasn't nice. If I can share something just as a side note, and i got to cut this off because I'm running out of time. Dads, moms, don't just give your kids the look. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, right? We all got the look, right? Don't even have to say we're just look at them. Don't just give them the look when you're mad at them. Give them the look that you love them, will you? Will you just look at your kids like I love you? Because see here, I don't think Jesus looked at Peter with condemnation. I think Jesus looked at Peter with compassion. Scripture says Jesus loved him to the end. That was his disciples. He knew Peter very well. He knew what Peter was going to do. And I think Jesus looked at Peter with compassion and it broke Peter's heart. And he remembered what Jesus had said and it said he went out and he wept bitterly. And I think what you see there is you see a broken heart and a repentant heart in Peter right there in that moment. And the Apostle Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow leads, brings repentance and leads to salvation. See, I think Peter had godly sorrow because I think Peter realized what he had done and who he'd done it to. His Lord, his master, his friend, his teacher that he'd walked with for three years. See, he watched Jesus suffer. And I believe Peter realized that night he added to that suffering because of what he did. And it broke Jesus' heart, but it wrecked Peter. And Peter went out and wept bitterly, it says. And this is godly sorrow that brings repentance, that leads to salvation, and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow, I'm just bumming because I got caught. It sucks that I got busted. That's, that's remorse, and that brings death. So where are you at this morning? Have you backslidden a little bit? Have you lost some of that commitment and that fervor? Or are you deep in sin? I don't know where you're at, but I do know who you need to run to if you have. And maybe you have a friend that's fallen and is, and is in sin. Paul puts it this way. If you know someone who's backslidden, Paul puts it this way in Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, even if any, anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one with a spirit of gentleness each one looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted the same way. We need to avoid things in our life so we make sure we don't fall into the trap that Peter fell into. But Peter's denial is not the end of the story. You know that, right? It's not the end of the story. Now, Peter was definitely marked by this, but it didn't define him. If you're in this room and you've gotten caught up in a mess, it's not the end of the story. And it doesn't have to define your life. Oh, it will mark you forever, as it has marked Peter. But it doesn't have to define you. Because see, the rest of the story is this. If I can have the band come up on the stage, we're going to close with a song in just a moment. The rest of the story is this. And you see it all throughout the Gospels. The end of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all talk about this. But John specifically does. That Peter reaffirmed his love for Jesus. See, when he went out and wept bitterly, here's what I would tell you. Peter didn't stop loving Jesus. That didn't mean that he didn't love the Lord. 
It just meant he loved himself a little bit more at that time because he was afraid because the crowd had him surrounded. So Peter's faith failed because of fear. Because of the fear that he was in and the moment he was in. So Peter reaffirmed his love for Jesus and Jesus forgave him. You know how we know this? Because on resurrection morning, the angel told the woman, go back and tell the disciples and Peter too. Jesus called Peter by name. And I believe this morning he's calling you by name. He says, go back and tell the disciples, Peter was still a disciple, and Peter too. And at the end of this, there was a breakfast on the beach. And I love this picture. It's such, a, such an amazing picture. The disciples gotten out. And Peter says, I'm going back to go fishing. The disciples said, I'll go with you. They went out all night, didn't catch a thing. Come back in towards shore in the morning. It says they looked off onto the shore and there was a stranger walking down the beach said, hey, throw your nets out to the right. So they threw their nets out to the right and they caught so much fish they couldn't haul them in. This was the second time this had happened. This had happened at the beginning with Peter. At the beginning when he met Jesus, this happened also for him. That he'd been all night and Jesus made that comment at that time, be, be away from me, I'm a sinful man. And at the end of this, the breakfast on the beach, Peter the, the John, the Apostle John says to Peter after they drug in all these fish, they said, it's the Lord. That stranger on the shore is the Lord. And it says Peter put on his outer garment and threw himself into the sea and swam to the shore to meet Jesus. I'm here to tell you this morning, no matter where you're at, guard your heart. But if you're in this room this morning and you've gotten yourself in trouble and your commitment and your fervor and kind of your spiritual passions quieted, the Lord's talking to you this morning by name. And I'm just wondering, if you know it's him, are you willing to throw yourself into the sea and swim to the shore and meet him, no matter what the cost? Follow him. Peter's faith failed because of fear, because he was surrounded by his enemy, because he was somewhere he wasn't supposed to be. The band's gonna close with a song this morning. You guys just sit, the altar's open as always. You guys just sit for a moment and let God search your heart and ask yourself this, even in the midst of my failure, am I still willing to follow him?